fact that the U.S. has only just started to slow now, really, is a testament to, to the strong fundamentals of the economy driving economic growth and, and corporate profits. So uh, I don't think anything we've seen changes our view of the U.S. Sure, we're going to get a little bit of a, a slowdown after the fiscal stimulus boost, which is really about to peak, but hasn't really peaked yet. From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Market Signals podcast. I'm Ryan Dietrich, your host. And John Lynch is at our big conference called Masters down in Florida. So he's busy this week. I'm honored and delighted to bring in my friend Jeff Bookbinder uh, up in Boston. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Hey, good, Ryan. Good to be with you. I, uh, I like when you guys travel. It gives me a chance to jump in here and talk markets and uh, get a little pub. For everybody who knows, um, our Masters Conference is one of our conferences that we have yearly for, for our LPL advisors. And it looks like a lot of fun. Multiple days, so it's a lot of hard work being there, but it's also a lot of fun to meet with our advisors. And it's actually on Twitter, hashtag LPL Masters, if you want to try to take, check that out and see a lot of the cool things. Like I saw Jeff, literally you and I are speaking you know, Monday afternoon-ish. John was on stage about two hours ago presenting, and I saw some people sharing some of his comments and quotes, and just you can see John up on stage at LPL Masters by using hashtag LPL Masters. Pretty cool uh, cool way to check that out without actually going. <laughs> so you know, this week on the podcast, we're going to take a look at the pullback. Is there something more coming? How much further can it go? Is more market weakness in store? Just consolidation? You know, really easy question, right? But Jeff and I are going to dive into that. Also, we take a look at the Beige Book Barometer, kind of a proprietary indicator that we have. We're going to dig in, and it actually shows Main Street is getting really worried uh, when you kind of look at the economic data. We're also going to take a look at just some of the recent economic data. Some of it has been strong, some has been weak. We're going to take a look at global economic data, then really finishing it up with this week. It's not a huge week in terms of what's going on, but we're going to focus on kind of those things that really matter uh, for our investors and for, our, for their investments. So, Jeff, let's kick it off. I mean, real easy question, right? <laughs> is this a modest pullback or something bigger? I mean, S&P, we had the 20% drop, then the 20% rally. Now we're kind of right at 2,800 level, which was resistance multiple times on the S&P 500. Pull back a little bit. I know as we speak, you're putting the final touches on our weekly market commentary that you put together with John Lynch, and I've got, I'm holding it as we speak, and it's, it's really good with a lot of good uh, stats and things to think about. So what do you think, Jeff? More of a pullback in store or consolidation or just new, rip to new highs? Yeah, probably uh, points two and three there. Um, I think it's really important to keep this in perspective. I mean, with Monday's midday gains, uh, essentially we went up 19 and down one. So right. it's really hard to get too nervous after down one. But, you know, more importantly, where do we go from here? Uh, and I think when you look at the fundamentals of the economy, including the fiscal stimulus uh, that's still coming through, uh, the potential for a, a China trade deal, uh, we think earnings are going to continue to grow. All of these things uh, together tell us that if we do get a little more weakness, a little more volatility, which is normal, uh, we think that uh, the market's going to buy it uh, rather than sell it. So maybe something in the neighborhood of 3 to 5% is reasonable to expect, but we don't think uh, this is going to turn into another correction, at least not in the near term. Yeah, you know, something else is worth pointing out, and I'm fully aware, put the disclaimer out there, a lot of these things didn't work last year. With that, though, March and April, you know, Jeff, the last 10 and 20 years have been two of the stronger months. You know, last 20 years, March is actually the second strongest month for equities. If you look at the average return on the S&P 500, 
And again, last year, you know, we, we what did we say on this podcast last late last year? December had never been the worst month of the year, and sure enough, December was the worst month of the year for stocks for the first time since the Great Depression. So, you know, this is the back of my mind. I am considering uh, the calendar still does support the bulls. Along with that, you know, Jeff, I mean, so you said, you know, we had a modest pullback on the S&P and the Dow. But if you look under the surface, you know, transports, I believe, had a nine-day losing streak in there. Uh, biotech had a big pullback. Small caps, which did so well to kick off this year. And now, believe me, that they were due for more of a correction. Uh, China, for instance, uh, its stock market was up almost 30% for the year. And they had about a 4.5% correction, I believe, on Friday. So things were overextended. Uh, some of the leaders definitely are what has been getting hit under the surface. But overall, I do think market breadth is still um, still strong. Now, Jeff, one of my favorite stats, and this is one you and I kicked around on Friday, is how well stocks do after um, a midterm election in November. Uh, hopefully you remember those numbers. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We've talked a lot about it, but I think it's really important for our listeners and our investors to remember just really how the calendar this year is kind of a tailwind. Yeah, Ryan, we'll have that in the weekly market commentary. Uh, 14.5% is the average gain in the year following midterm elections. And that period is up 18 times in a row back to uh, World War II. So really, really strong pattern there. And I think there's logic to that because presidents want to get reelected, including the one that's currently in the White House. And what do they do when they want to get reelected? They stimulate the economy. And they try to get the stock market up. Certainly President Trump's doing that. So we think that pattern holds and uh, sets us up for further gains here uh, over uh, the next 10 months. Uh, great point there. You know, last week, obviously, I was not on the podcast because I was traveling. I was in New York with our friends and partners at Strategus Research. And they actually discussed a lot the same thing you just talked about that there is a lot of reason for people in Washington to want to get reelected and kind of one of those it is what it is. 18 out of 18 times stocks are higher a year after the midterm elections. So those are just things that are clearly still in play. Now, Jeff, you mentioned fiscal stimulus. Um, you know, I guess one of the big things holding us back clearly this this year and when you look at some of the data that we've had has been the China discussions. I don't think we can go one week probably without taking a look at how those how the China discussions are going. It seems like last week we did have some continued relatively two steps forward, one step backward, positive steps on uh, the discussions with China. Nonetheless, equity markets were lower, but obviously with a big start to a year, a little pullback makes sense. Where do you think we stand, Jeff, with the uh, trade discussions with China right here and now? Ryan, our, our view hasn't changed uh, that we'll get a deal, but the timeline has been pushed back a little bit. I mean, we, we've known all along that there were some sticking points here. You know, it's complicated how you enforce the agreement in terms of intellectual property, in terms of um, these forced technology transfers where, you know, in order to do joint ventures, you have to essentially turn over your technology to the Chinese, things like that. Um, currency is complicated. You know, the U.S. wants, that, wants the Chinese to stop manipulating their currency, but the Chinese are saying they don't manipulate their currency. So how are you going to get an agreement on that? So... There's some complicated issues here, uh, and it looks like President Trump and Xi will not meet this month, at least based on exactly. the latest news. Hopefully they'll come to an agreement in uh, early April. We can move past this, but uh, certainly there's still some uncertainty there, and we clearly uh, recognize that a fair amount of the upside from a deal could be uh, priced in here. Uh, good point. You know, you, 
you say famous little quotes that we use, you know, only thing constant is change is uh, one that I like to use. Also, you know, they use that word uncertainty. I mean, you know, even after if we eventually find hopefully some type of resolution with China, there's always going to be some uncertainty out there, right? When everything's certain, that's probably the worst time to be uh, to be bullish because, you know, that means everything's been priced in. So there's always some uncertainty. But still, it will be nice to get uh, some type of news, obviously, alleviated out of China. Now, Jeff, so that's the weekly market commentary where we kind of talk about pullbacks. Overall, like you just summarized, we don't, we're not anticipating a major correction, maybe 3 to 5% on, on blue chips uh, on the S&P 500 and the Dow here. So let's go maybe to the next subject. And I did say it'd be the our weekly economic commentary, the Beige Book Barometer. This is a proprietary indicator that LPL uses. Now, Jeff, the headline, and I've got the, the weekly economic commentary right in front of me, Main Street Sentiment at seven-year low. I mean, that kind of sums it all up, I think, by itself. You know, first off, Jeff, maybe tell our listeners what exactly is the Beige Book Barometer, but then what do you think it means here at a seven-year low? Yeah, uh, it's, it's basically a measure of optimism from the... 12 Fed districts, right? The Vase book is just a compilation of anecdotes, assessments of each Fed district's regions, right? So they boil all that together uh, and come up with um, essentially a national anecdote about economic conditions. And what we do is we count the positive words and the negative words. The difference between the two is a measure of optimism. So if economic conditions are strong and improving, you're going to get a lot of optimistic words. And then the opposite is also true. So um, it is a little bit uh, surprising to me that this is down at seven-year lows because you had, sure, we have challenges. We know that we had the government shutdown coming off of that. We have trade uncertainty. Uh, that's certainly a big one. Those are two common themes uh, that have been that have shown up repeatedly in, in the Beige Book. And then we had the stock market volatility in December. People are probably... A little bit nervous during the survey period, um, and then on top of that, and, and Fed Chair Powell just cited this on on 60 Minutes over the weekend. Slowing growth in Europe and in China is clearly um, a concern, and is sort of filtering into the U.S. data a little bit here. So we're kind of joining this global slowdown. We were late; we're the strongest, but uh, right. um, we're we're kind of joining certainly um, this beige book barometer that that you'll see later today uh, reflects that. Right. Yeah. It looks like the the beige book barometer is the lowest it's been since, according to this chart I've got here, October 2011 during the European debt crisis. So, you know, when I hear things like that, my inner contrarian starts to ring a little bit that, wow, you know, expectations are low. Clearly, the concerns that we saw late last year are still in play, really. And like you said, Jeff, maybe let's go to the next subject now. And it's kind of a broad one, but it is just the overall economic data around the globe and the U.S. You know, just last week, we saw the OECD cut global GDP. Not really a surprise, but it happened. And then the ECB, a European Central Bank, also cut GDP estimates, and they pulled, I believe, Jeff, the, the technical quote is a switcheroo. <laughs> I believe we've used that before. Switcheroo with what they thought, what they said they're going to do with interest rates, where they were looking for maybe a hike the second half of this year. Now they said, no, 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 we're taking a foot off the pedal. We're not going to do any hikes until 2020. Um, then we had a 28% drop in exports year over year in China in February, obviously a very, very significant drop in exports. So the global economy, like you said, everything I just listed there is a little concerning. What do you think? Jeff, about the global economy here? Yeah, well, as I just alluded to, clearly slowing. Mm -hmm, uh, right. Europe was really first, I guess, followed 
soon after by China. Frankly, I think that the fact that the U.S. has only just started to slow now, really, is a testament to to the strong fundamentals of the economy driving economic growth and and corporate profits. So uh, I don't think anything we've seen changes our view of the U.S. Sure, we're going to get a little bit of a, a slowdown after the fiscal stimulus boost, which is really about to peak, but hasn't really peaked yet. And certainly slower growth in Europe. I mean, Europe's gone from a 2% growth economy to 1% growth economy in about 10 months. It's really amazing how quickly that story has turned. You know, China just lowered their long-term economic targets. Clearly, the Chinese economic data has slowed. By the way, the Lunar New Year holiday does distort this latest batch of data out of China, so don't get too hung up on that big export number, big drop. But uh, nonetheless, China's clearly slowed, and they're some of that is by design, right? They're trying to slow their economy to, to wring out some of the um, excesses. So the, the key here is where do we stabilize? And certainly a trade deal would help us stabilize pretty soon, we think. You know, it's, it's a lot easier for Europe and China to accelerate after they've just slowed to, um, frankly, points where we think probably about as bad as it's going to get here, at least in the near term. Exactly. So, you know, Jeff, let's maybe focus more on the U.S. then. So on Friday... We had the jobs number come in, and it came in at 20,000 jobs created last month. Obviously, that was one of the largest misses we've seen. It was estimates around 180,000, one of the largest monthly misses we've seen since going back to 2015. Um, Now, we've had a bunch of very solid jobs numbers. In fact, January is actually revised higher, up over 300,000 jobs were created. Then we had the big drop in February. Now, I guess my question, Jeff, do you think this is a one-off? Now, before you answer that, think about it. But I I did a tweet on this. I'm just going to read it because I I, I thought it was interesting. Um, May of 2015 saw 15,000 jobs created. Then we had 15 straight months of at least 100,000 jobs created. September 17 saw just 18,000 jobs. Then we had 16 more months of at least 100,000 jobs created. February just had 20,000. Jeff, do you think we're going to have over another year or so of at least 100,000 jobs created like the pattern we've seen in the last few years? And is this just more of a one-off uh, poor number? What do you think about jobs here? I would say the odds favor that at this point. I mean, it's clear that weather was a big problem in this reading. You had... Um, pretty big drop in construction jobs, more than 30,000, uh, an uptick in the number of workers reporting that they could not get to work because right. of weather, above average even for the month of February, which was, we know is a bad weather month, especially in the Midwest and Northeast. So there is clear evidence that this is weather distorted noise. I think that yeah, odds are good that we get a, get a bounce back here. And I think probably all those dips you mentioned, I haven't researched this lately, but I think they're all weather related. Hmm. Yeah, I believe one of them was were hurricane related. That's that's a great point. So when you when we dive in though, I mean, you know, there is some positive. I mean, we just mentioned some of the negatives on the U.S. You know, the ISM services came in just under sixty last week, which is a very strong print. Yes, the manufacturing data really globally has been slowing, but the services data, even Europe last week, had a better than expected services number. Um, so U.S., there are some positives. And one thing, Jeff, I was reading about, you know, jobs number is kind of a lagging indicator, more of a forward-looking indicator of things like consumer confidence, which which has bounced. So you, you have to ask yourself, is some of the, the weak-ish data that we've seen just simply lagging data that's not forward-looking, where some of the forward-looking things, like the consumer, which makes up almost 70% of GDP, is still pretty healthy. Do you think that's kind of the case here? Sure. Yeah, and we... Uh we got good retail sales numbers this morning, so certainly right. that adds to your story there. 
consumer is still in excellent shape, and uh, the job market is still in excellent shape despite that weak headline number on, on Friday. Wage growth was strong in the jobs report. Good point. So that certainly helps fill consumers' wallets. And uh, as you said, that's a big piece of the economy. And, you know, it's, it's important to distinguish between leading data and lagging data, as you just did. The leading data is, is showing some signs of stabilization. I mean, even the ISM in the U.S., the manufacturing ISM, uh, showed signs of stabilizing last month. So um, I think things are getting a little bit better if you try to look out a month or two, and then you add the upside potential from a trade deal, and that could uh, you know, even add to better data narrative. Uh, great points there. So, Jeff, let's maybe go to our last subject today, and that's going to be what investors should be on the lookout for this week. Um, again, I, I took a look. It looks like we have some inflation data that's coming out, but also we can't have a week without talking about China. We can't have a week without talking about Brexit. I believe there's a big Brexit vote. What do you think our investors should be looking for as hopefully the weather warms and everyone starts to enjoy uh, getting ready for some basketball, NCAA basketball, and our work pools? As we know, product and let's be honest, Jeff, productivity tends to drop in March because people are looking at their basketball polls. So maybe we get a week, another week productivity number. We will just throw it out because everyone's been staring at their TV watching basketball. Nonetheless, what do you what should we be looking for this week, Jeff? Yeah, I think that the Brexit votes are the most interesting, potentially market-moving. Uh, there's going to be a series of votes, so most likely you'll see Theresa May fail again to get a to get right. her proposal through Parliament, and then there's going to be a vote on a hard Brexit, so a, a disorderly Brexit uh, with no deal. That is what everybody's afraid of. So hopefully that'll be voted down, and we think that's. There's a strong likelihood. Do you that. know what day the vote is, Jeff? Do you, do you know by chance? I mean, What's like, that? What day is the vote this week? Oh, day. Yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think the votes are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay. Okay. So a couple uh, days. Got it. Not, there's a series. One uh, of the, one of those days, right? It's one of those. So <laughs> the last vote's the important one, right? That is where we get a vote on a delay. Well, the last two are important, but a vote to delay Article 50, which would mean that they get more time to try to figure out a deal. So I, that is the base case at this point. That is consensus at this point that we'll get more time. I think the market will breathe a huge sigh of relief if that consensus is right. Great points there. So, yeah, so really relatively calm week for U.S. data. Like we said, Brexit absolutely can uh, can cause some global hiccups, we'll say. So, Jeff, let's wind it up like this. It is March Madness. Um, you know, the, the tournaments are starting this week, conference tournaments. I'm a Xavier guy. Now let's just talk about them for a second. Xavier lost six games in a row. In basketball, they've won five of their last six, looking better. They play Thursday at 2.30, so that whole productivity thing at work I was talking about. Uh, don't quote me, but 2.30 at work, I might be staring at a, at a screen watching my Xavier. Now, Jeff, you're a Duke guy. Am I correct in basketball? Well, I, I grew up uh, in Kansas. Oh, that's a good so point. So Kansas okay. was my first love. But you went to Duke, am I correct? Uh, for grad school. Yeah. Grad school, okay. But Got my it. loyalties are, uh, are with the Jayhawks. Well, how are they so, looking uh, then? What do you they think? They had a, mm-hmm. a little bit of a down year for them this year, but hopefully they'll uh, they'll get it going uh, come turning time. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Well, everybody, yeah, we, we appreciate everyone listening this week. Jeff, thank you very much for filling in for John as he's working on his tan down in Florida this week. Uh, definitely everybody use hashtag LPL Masters to take a look at our really cool conference that we had down there. So with all of that, we're going to wrap things up for another edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. We appreciate everyone's partnership and listening to us, and we'll be back next week with the latest edition of our podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me on again, and thanks, everybody, for listening.
Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.